Now, as you are able, would you please stand for the reading of the word, which today will be done by one of our second graders who just got his Bible, Brock Vaughn. Wait, 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 wait. wait. (laughs) Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20. Go and make disciples of all nations, and you can be sure that I am always with you to the very end. Wait. So you must go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey obey everything I have commanded you, and you can be sure that I am always with you to the very end. The word of the Lord. Well, thank you, Brock. You may be seated. Well, we have been uh, celebrating today, and today really is a celebration of 61 years of ministry of what God has been doing here at Christ Community Church. Uh, We are celebrating, obviously, the 22 people who took that next step in faith in baptism and really what God has done in their hearts leading up to that moment. And we are, of course, celebrating just being able to present Bibles to some of our youngest students, as well as just the opportunity to all be gathered together here. And so what a joy that is to um, just see many different generations and, and, and different worship styles that you know we, we have coming together just to be present and worshiping God together. And I just reflect on Christ Community Church and, and 61 years of faithful ministry of God's faithfulness to our church and to our people for those who have come before um, and, and what God is doing here now today. And, and I just wanna remind us that God's not finished yet. As a matter of fact, I believe that we as a church are just getting started. Yes, we're celebrating 61 years of ministry and and that is a lot, Um, but I'm looking forward and saying, hey, okay, in 39 years, what are we gonna be celebrating in our 100 year anniversary? What are we gonna be celebrating next year at our 62 year anniversary? Because I think God is just getting started. And, And the reality is that the church still has work to do. The church still has work to do. And this is why we are actually finishing our series in the book of Acts, even though technically last week we kind of finished, uh, got through chapter 28 and and kind of finished our reading. But we're gonna kind of recap the book of Acts together and and just talk a little bit more about it and what God is doing. And, And really what Blake said last week is that you get to the end of Acts and there's no finish, there's no final greeting, there's no farewell statement. It just kind of ends in the middle of a story And as we look at that moment, the reason for that is because it's a reminder that the church is continuing, that the church still has work. We didn't get to the end of Acts chapter 28 and God's like, well, that's it, I'm finished. Church is done. Now just sit back and relax and we'll just wait till the end. No, God is saying, hey, the church is still continuing. We end kind of in the middle of Paul's story because the journey is not over yet. And here we are 2000 years later as the church with the same God, the same spirit, the same Christ that we worship 2000 years later, and we are connected to that early church and we are continuing the work that they started. As a matter of fact, when we started our series in the book of Acts, the very first week we talked about how we were continuing or the apostles were continuing the work of Jesus. It wasn't something new, it was just a little bit different. And so we are continuing the work that Jesus started and we are making his name known. 
And so if we're going to be that church, what does that look like? What is the, the work that we have in store for us? Well, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 has been our theme verse for uh, this, this series in the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there's this reminder that we are called to be a witness. And it's not under our own strength, but it's the strength of the Holy Spirit that will fill us and guide us and lead us. And so the Spirit is giving us strength and the Spirit is helping us find our direction and know what to do and and will give us wisdom to be a witness. And and then where's that happen? Well, it starts locally, right? For them, they were in Jerusalem. And so God's saying, hey, yeah, start where you're at. Start in Jerusalem and, and then go to Judea and then to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that's what God has called us to do. So God has called us to be a witness locally in our areas of influence. And then as everywhere we go, we're going to continue to be a witness. And so Matthew 28 says it like this. And and I like the way that Jesus is saying the same thing, but in slightly different words here. These words that that Brock just read, I'm going to go one verse up into verse 18, because it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so Jesus starts with this statement of saying, hey, all authority has been given to me. And so if this is true, whatever comes next, we need to listen to. Whatever he says after this, we have to respond. If he has all authority, then we need to listen. So if Jesus were to come today and say, hey, all authority has been given to me, uh, therefore, Ryan, you need to go and root for the Cowboys tonight. I would have no other choice. But fortunately, Jesus is a Niners fan and he wouldn't want me to walk into sin. And and so that's not going to happen. But here's the thing, whatever comes, we have to listen to it. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of kids in the room. How many people are under the age of 18 in the room right now? You raise your hand. There's a ton of you in here. We are so grateful that you are here with us. Now, you might have had this conversation with your parents and adults in the room. You've either had this conversation with your own kids or maybe when you were a kid. But there comes a time where a parent tells a kid, hey, you need to go do something. You need to go make your bed. You need to go get dressed. You need to go eat breakfast. And the kid responds with... Why? Why is the word we were looking for? Some said, no, that's unfortunate. But, you know, <laughs> why? Like, why do I have to do that? And so then maybe, you know, as a parent, you might try and explain. And then typically as you, after your brilliant explanation, they respond with, why? And, and then you're like, well, okay, you get to a point where you just kind of break and you say, well, because I said so. Right? Every parent has been there at some point. And here's the thing. It feels unjust. It feels unfair. It feels like it shouldn't happen. But that is a perfectly just and fair argument. It is. Kids, I'm sorry, but that is fair. Because here's the thing. Parents have been given authority over their children. Parents have responsibility for their children. Now, I know that there are bad parents out there, but most parents are trying their best to raise their kids, and and they are protectors and providers, and they're trying to bring care. And there are times where they say, hey, this is best for our family. This is best for you. This is best for us. And so you just need to do it, and, and you need to do it because I said so. And so this statement by Jesus is that because I said so statement. 
He's saying, all authority is mine, so whatever I say next, you need to listen to. Now, we know that he has this authority because we've read the gospel accounts and we've seen that he was uh, out in the middle of, of, of a lake on a storm and the disciples were panicked. And, and these were fishermen who had been out on the water. And, and so this is a big storm and they're panicked and they wake Jesus up and they say, Jesus, do something. And he tells the storm to be silent and the storm immediately calms down. And it says, even the disciples were panicked. Even the disciples w- were a little bit freaked out thinking, who is this man that has this kind of power? And in the gospels, we see miracle after miracle. I mean, even the demons believe and tremble. Like Jesus shows up and they're like, no, don't cast us out or or send us into the pigs because they know that they have to listen to what he says. And so it's been demonstrated to us that Jesus has authority. But I love that Jesus is, is somewhat flexing the authority muscle here, but he doesn't just stay there. He gives this statement and then he wraps it up in verse 20. He says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so while Jesus is saying, hey, I have authority and power and therefore you need to listen, I also want you to know that I love you and this really is what's best for you. And actually, I'm gonna go with you on the mission. I'm not sending you out on your own. I'm right there next to you. And I love this because there's so many verses in scripture that talk about God's sovereignty, his power, his majesty, his authority. And and almost always, they are followed by or preceded by verses that talk about God being relational, God as Father, God being present with us. And so we see this connection in Scripture that, that yes, God is powerful and mighty, but He uses that power, He uses that authority to bring people into relationship with Him. Like, can we just sit in this for a moment? that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life where? In eternity with who? With the Father. Like he used his love and his power and his authority to give his life for us, to give his son as a sacrifice, to give Jesus as a sacrifice for us so that we could have life with him. What an amazing blessing that is. And we need to hold on to that knowledge because being a Christian is not an easy thing. And there's gonna be days where we wanna quit. There's gonna be days where we don't wanna serve. There's gonna be days where we feel like we're broken, where we feel like giving up, where we're in pain because being a follower of Christ, living on mission is challenging. But in those moments, we remember these words that Christ is with us always. We remember Acts 1.8, that we are filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we do the mission because yes, God declares us, he tells us to do the mission. And so we need to listen, but also because he's present with us and he loves us. And so we want to do it. And so here's what the mission is. He says, go and make disciples. Make disciples is the command there. And so we say it like this at Christ Community Church that we exist to make fully committed followers of Jesus Christ through love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And so a disciple is a follower And we say fully committed follower because what Jesus says next is he says, go baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so there's this baptism that happens and we just celebrated baptism, water baptism, which is a sign and a seal of what God has already done through the gift of Jesus Christ and what God has done internally in bringing us to salvation. But really as it's talking about baptizing here, it's talking about leading people into faith introducing people to Christ. And yes, we should all participate in baptism through water as well, because that is something that God has given us to remind us and to remind others of what he has done. 
But, but the true baptism is our faith in Jesus Christ. That's what saves us. And so he's saying, introduce people to Jesus. Let them know who he is so that they can experience salvation, so that they can experience forgiveness, so that they can look forward to eternity with hope and confidence. And it says, but don't leave them there. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so it says we are to do this as we go about our business. That go is a passive go. And so it just means, hey, whether you're going home, whether you're going to work, whether you're going to school, if you're going to church, if you're going out to lunch today, like in everything you do, make fully committed followers. Be a disciple maker. And this command is not for one person. It's not for a pastor or a ministry leader. It's for the entire church who has put their trust in Jesus Christ has been filled with the Holy Spirit. We are all disciple makers. We are all called to participate in this. And so each of us has a role in moving down the road to spiritual maturity and helping others move down the road to spiritual maturity as well. And so this is what it looks like. We have the not interested in the explorers who don't know Christ. And these are people typically we're gonna meet outside of the walls of the church, especially the not interested. And all of us are called to demonstrate the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus Christ and to proclaim truth to our neighbors, our friends, our families, our coworkers, uh, our, our classmates, so that they can move from not interested into that explorer category. And from explorers, we share faith with them so that they can put their trust in Jesus Christ and become new believers. And then new believers, we wanna disciple them into growing Christians, which means that we don't just need to be spoon-fed the Bible, that, that, that our only worship and our only uh, ability to read scripture and pray comes when someone else is doing it for us. But instead, growing Christians are, are those who know how to take some of these steps of faith. They know how to read the Bible. They know how to pray. They know how to worship. And, and we're not saying you do this alone without the church, but we're saying we want to have you equipped and ready so that if you were picked up and taken out of Christ Community Church, taken out of Carmichael and placed anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, you would be like, yeah, I can find a church and I can participate and I can still worship and I can still grow in my relationship with God. If one ministry leader is removed from Christ Community Church, we're not gonna panic and freak out because we know how to worship, we know how to follow God and be obedient to him. And so that's where we wanna get people to growing Christians where they're taking steps of faith on their own. And then ultimately to fully committed followers who are no longer asking the question, what's in it for me? But are fully committed to loving God and to loving others. And so this is what it means to be the church, that all of us have a part in moving down that road to spiritual maturity ourselves, but also as fully committed followers, we want a church full of fully committed followers who are then going back into our areas of influence to reach the not interest in the explorers so that they can become new believers. So I guess we don't want a church full of fully committed followers, we want a church that's becoming fully committed followers because we constantly wanna be adding new believers and growing Christians and then discipling them. But we wanna see the amount of fully committed followers continue to grow in our church. And that means that every single one of us is going into our areas of influence and proclaiming Christ, being a witness, making fully committed followers, making disciples, doing what God has called us to do. That's what it means to be the church. And so this is what we have been talking about in the book of Acts. And so I wanna wrap up the book of Acts today with 10 lessons. Uh, which basically we've already covered in the book of Acts. And I know 
that 10 lessons is way too many for one sermon, all right? I am aware of that, um, so just hold on to these. These are things that we've talked about over the last 18 weeks, but really these are just some things that, that God has been putting on my heart and that I would just love to share of kind of just things that I've been paying attention to in the book of Acts and just kind of reminding our hearts what this is. And so this is just uh, a time to just kind of hang out and discuss this um, and, and talk about what God has been doing in the book of Acts and what he's hopefully doing with us today. And so the first thing is this, is the reminder that it is all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they have healed a man uh, who couldn't walk. And, um, and, and they're brought into the courts to give account because they did it on the Sabbath. And so Peter stands up and he says this. He says, if we are being called on if we're being called in to count today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, which we must be saved. So Peter reminds the people who are listening, and he reminds us today, it's all about Jesus. If we are saved and we just celebrated baptisms, it's actually not about the people who are baptized. It is about Jesus and the work that he has done. Like as we gather together, it is not about us. It is about Jesus and lifting his name up. And so our lives individually and collectively together as a church need to be all about Jesus. Not making ourselves great, not worrying about our own comfort, not worrying about our own thing, but lifting Jesus' name up. I love that, that today we had uh, multiple or both of our worship styles in here together because so often uh, we like to make worship all about us. Well, I didn't like that song and I didn't like the way that sounded and, 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 and you know, that's not my favorite. And that's okay because it's not about us, right? Worship is not primarily for us. It's primarily to give glory to God. And so as we come together, it's a beautiful celebration of saying, hey, are, are we singing praises to the God of the universe? Are we lifting his name up? We need to be all about Jesus. And so in order to do that, the second thing through the book of Acts is that we need to be devoted. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it tells us this. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. These are some essential things in being the church, but it starts with devotion. And so that means that we commit our time, our treasure, our talent to God. That we say, everything I have and everything I am is for you. And so we look and we evaluate and we say, am I living my life for God's glory or am I living for myself or for something else? And so being devoted means that we are intentionally taking time to do the things that God requires from us. We are intentionally taking time to be in relationship with God. We are intentionally living our life on mission and living to serve him and to make his name great. That's what it means to be devoted. And it lists some things that we are devoted to. And these are some of the, the lessons that I've been taking from the book of Acts that we continue to see. And so the next one is this, is that we need to read our Bibles. Read your Bible. Second graders, we gave you a Bible today because we hope that you will read it. Right? And not just bring it on Sunday morning so that someone else can read it for you. But we hope that we are learning how to read scripture and how to get into the text. 
And so we read individually and we spend time in small groups and then collectively as a big group, we spend time reading scripture together as well. But if this really is God breathed, then we need to pay attention. And I've said this before and I'll say it again, it takes 15 to 20 minutes a day to read through the entire Bible in a single year. How many things are, are, are better uses of our time than spending 15 to 20 minutes a day getting into the Word so that we can read all of Scripture every single year? We need to be people who read the Word. We need to be people who study the Word, who memorize the Word, and who live the Word out. The other thing that they, this, in Acts 2.42, it told us that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and so that's really what we have. We have the apostles' teaching recorded here for us, but also it tells us that they were devoted to prayer, and that's the next one here, is that we need to pray. Now, this has been a common theme in the book of Acts. You look at these incredible miracles that God has done, and if you look at the verse before, or, or a couple of words before, typically, you see that the church was spending time in prayer. And so we need to be a church that prays. We need to pray for things that are going on in the world. We need to pray for our kids and our students who are diving into the word. We need to pray for those to receive salvation. We need to pray for ourselves as a church as we go and live on mission that God would equip us and prepare us and guide us to be a witness and a light for him. There's so many things that we can be praying for. That's why 1 Thessalonians tells us that we need to pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. And so we are constantly having this conversation with God in everything that we do. We need to be a people that are on our knees taking time intentionally to just be us and God. But also as we drive, as we go into work, as we go to our next activity, as we just these things, we need to be people who are giving thanks, who are offering requests. We need to be a people who are praying. And so we need to pray. The next thing is this, is just a reminder in here, it says they were committed to, or they were devoted to fellowship. And so I'll remind us that church is a team sport. It's a team sport, it's not meant to be done on our own. It's not meant to be done individually. And so a lot of people will go through this at some point. I know I went through this in high school where fortunately I loved my church and I loved my church family and my friends that were there. But I know there was a time where I said, you know what, I don't really need church. I don't need to go on Sunday mornings. I don't need to go on, uh, on midweek because I know how to read the Bible. I have worship music at my house. I know how to worship. I know how to pray. I can do all these things by myself. And there's some level of truth and there's some good in that. But the Bible clearly says that we need one another. It says that we are a body, that we are connected to one another. And so when you are not present, when you are not part of the body, you are missing something because you are missing out on what everyone else can bring to your life and can help you in mission. But also the church is missing something. We are missing you. So when you don't come on a Sunday, when you don't show up to a group, when you don't get connected to the body and connected to the family and you don't have community within the body of believers, you are missing out, but other people are missing out on you as well. If you're not participating in mission, the church is missing your gifts and your talents and your resources. Like we are missing out because you're not stepping up and saying, yes, I'm part of the team and I need to play my role. Some of us, we think that we're sitting on the bench waiting for our opportunity. But the reality is, is that we are all on the field. We are all called to be participants. And so we need one another and we need fellowship and we need to all be living this out together. 
The sixth thing is this, is the reminder that we need to worship like it matters. Worship like it matters. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas find themselves in prison, and it tells us this. This is about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. This is a moment where God powerfully uses worship, where Paul and Silas, two men, are singing praises to God, and all these other prisoners are, are listening in on what's going on. And God says to these two men, you're going to worship me. I'm going to do something incredible for you. And their worship, God uses their worship to literally shake the foundation of the earth so that prison doors fling open and chains fall to the ground. And not just for Paul and Silas, but for the not interested, for the explorers, for everyone else who was present and was listening in to the worship. And so when we worship, it's not about going through the motions. It's not about checking something off the list. It's about coming into the presence of God and realizing that the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of the universe is here to meet us. And we get to sing him praise. And so we pray and we worship and we dive into scripture like it matters because it does. And I think that our worship is, yes, it's glorifying to God. It's going to move our hearts. But what Acts 16 shows us is that our worship also has power to transform lives. Like we don't know who's in the room today or every Sunday that we come. But maybe someone's coming for the very first time and they're coming as an explorer and they are just hearing the worship and feeling the presence of God moving in this place. And their hearts are transformed because of it. I don't know if this directly applies, but in some way our worship is going to affect those who are on the outside of the family of faith. Because that's what happened in Acts chapter 16. And so we need to worship like it matters. When you show up on a Sunday, be ready to enter the presence of God and come into a time of worship and give him praise like he is standing before us because he is here, present with us, listening to our prayers, listening to our praises, listening to our songs. And so we need to worship like it matters. The seventh thing is this, is that we need to be a people who show hospitality. And I wanna read the last few verses in Acts chapter 28. The final two verses tell us this, it's about Paul's time uh, under house arrest, and it tells us this. It says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And so here is Paul in difficult circumstances, opening up his home, opening up his heart, opening up his life to invite others in. And it says that any who came to visit, he opened the doors for them. He showed them hospitality. And in showing them hospitality, he opened a door into their lives and into their hearts so that he could preach the gospel to them. And so one of the best ways that we can be a witness is to simply open up our lives for those around us. And not just those who think like us, act like us, and look like us, 
but those who are on the other side as well. Whether there's a language barrier or a political belief barrier or even a religious barrier, whatever these things may be, when we look at the life of Jesus, he constantly was getting yelled at and looked down upon because he welcomed sinners. He welcomed those who didn't behave the way they were supposed to. He allowed people to belong while they figured out what it meant to believe. Not hiding what the truth was, but knowing that behavior was going to be dealt with through the Spirit and through the Word of God for those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. And so as Christians, there, there are many times where we just feel, I'm not going to speak for you. I know for myself, and I, and I know that I've seen this in others, where it just feels like there's this, this fear of, of, oh, if I associate with that person, what are people going to think of me? People are going to assume that I'm approving of their behavior, I'm approving of their beliefs, that I agree with everything they said. And that shouldn't be the case. Church, we should be surrounded by people who don't think like us by people who act differently, by people who believe different things. Not because we're trying to make ourselves look good and be like, oh, look who I welcomed into my house, but because we're trying to demonstrate the love of Jesus. And this goes to the whole idea of people don't care what you know until they know that you care. So until we demonstrate true care, compassion, and love for people, they're going to keep assuming that we hate. They're going to keep paying attention to what we're against. But if we show hospitality in a way that, that welcomes all people into our, our lives, into our families, into our houses, into our church, that's a witness. Because then people can come and say, well, you're against this. Well, but I'm for the person. And I just want them to come and know Christ. And that's evident. Let the only thing they're able to accuse us of is our good deeds because that's what we see in the book of Acts. Show hospitality. The eighth thing is this, is that don't expect it to be easy. Being a Christian isn't easy. We see that in the book of Acts. The church was constantly being persecuted. People were being thrown in prison. People were being martyred. It is not easy to be a follower of Christ, but man, is it worth it. I mean, Jesus compares it to someone who, who found a, a, a pearl of great wealth and went and sold everything to buy the field just to hold on to that treasure because nothing else in this world compares. And so, yeah, there's going to be some challenges and there's going to be hard times, but in all of it, we know that Jesus is with us and we know that the reward is greater than the cost. So don't expect it to be easy. I'm not trying to tell you that living a life as a follower of Christ is easy. There's a lot of sacrifice, but Jesus sacrificed a whole lot more to welcome us into that family. And so then the next thing is this, as I said, we're all on mission. God has given you a mission and he has equipped you for it. God has given us a mission to be a light for him, to proclaim the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. And he has equipped you for it. Now, once again, where, where are my kids under the age of 18? Under the age of 18, where are you guys at? All right, let me just tell you that God has given you a mission and he has equipped you for it. There are so many people that I talk to as, as they're growing up, they're thinking, man, when I get into middle school, when I get into high school, when I get into college, when I'm an adult, when I'm married, when I have a family, when I have a job, when I have, you know, so many social media influence, like so many social media followers, whatever it may be, like they think if these things happen, then I can be a witness. When I've read the Bible enough times, when I've, I, I, I've, I've studied enough, when I have enough knowledge, then I can be a witness. 
But that's not what's in the Bible. No, God took ordinary, unschooled people. As a matter of fact, a lot of the disciples were just teenagers. I mean, we see kids in, in Scripture doing amazing things. And so there's no limit to say, hey, yeah, God's going to use you in the future. He will use you in the future, but he's also going to use you today. And for the kids under the age of 18, man, you have one of the greatest opportunities to be a witness that you will ever experience in your life. Because you have built in community, you have friends that, that, that want to go where you go, that you have influence that you will never have again. On the flip side of that, though, where are my prime timers at? Any prime timers in the room today? Yes? Prime timers, you're not done yet. Right? Retirement is not a biblical concept. Okay, you can retire from, from uh, you know, whatever your, your normal day-to-day -day job is, but when we're talking about ministry, when we're talking about being a light, when we're talking about being a witness and, and making followers of Jesus, you don't get to retire from that until our final breath we proclaim the gospel message. And so there is no time where, where, where we are not ready. There's no time that we're, we're past our time. No, God has placed you, he's equipped you, and he's sent you, and he is with you in all of it. So we have a mission, and we need to all go and live that out. And the final thing is this, number 10, is that the gospel doesn't have boundaries. In Acts chapter 15, and I'm not going to read it for you, but there's that conflict uh, in the church where they're trying to figure out, hey, do the Gentiles belong in the church? And Peter stands up and says, I saw it with my own eyes that God accepted these people, and if God accepts them, who are we to separate them? Who are we to, to say no? Who are we to not be a light, to not step into those spaces? And, and this really goes back to what we're talking about, about sharing hospitality and showing hospitality. Is that so often we, we, you know, we sit in church and we say, yeah, we, we know that, that God loves all people, that God can forgive all sins. But we go into the world and we see things online or we, we, we see a celebrity or a politician or, or a friend or a neighbor do something or the, the sign they put in, on their front, their front door. And we think, oh, well, that's not a Christian. That person can't be saved. They're too far gone. Why would I even spend time on them? Instead, I'm just going to yell at them and, and, and be angry with them for what they do because they're against the church. You know who else was? The Apostle Paul in some pretty extreme ways. And I know I'm going to be honest that if I met Paul before he was saved, that is not someone I'd be trying to witness to. That is not someone I'd be praying for, except maybe to bring justice upon him, right? I'm just going to be honest. And I think many times we, we know the gospel doesn't have boundaries, but we live like it does. We live like it's only for the people who think like us, act like us, who are pretty close to being Christians anyway. They just don't quite believe the right thing. But that's not what we see in the book of Acts. They go into spaces that offended people. They, go into, to, they meet with people that, that no one else would go to. And this is what Jesus did in his ministry. He loved the unlovable. And so that's what we need to do as well. So church, God has equipped us, he has placed us, he has prepared us for a work for our time today. And for 61 years, Christ Community Church has been a, a light to this community, has been the presence of Jesus in Carmichael. And now it's our turn to carry that baton and to run our leg of the race. And this isn't about any one person. It's about a couple hundred people coming together and saying, yes, we are going to be the church that God has called us to be. Because you look at someone like the Apostle Paul and you see the impact that he had. That was one man. Imagine what God could do with 300 of us 
catching that same fire, that same passion, living with that same spirit and dwelling in each of us, going and saying, yes, we are going to be pastors to our areas of influence. We're going to make a difference in Carmichael, California, and to the ends of the earth. Church, I hope that in 40 years, 39 years, when we're celebrating our 100th year anniversary, that people are looking at this moment and they're saying, hey, remember that time when the church went through the book of Acts and decided that we were going to be the church? Man, what an impact that had. And it just takes us saying yes, saying, God, come and move. Do what only you can do. And we are willing to go where you call us to go. We're going to be faithful to living the way you have called us to live. And so we gather together to be filled up and encouraged, and we are sent out to go and live and demonstrate as witnesses the work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love, for your grace, for your acceptance, your forgiveness. God, I thank you for your word that teaches us about who you are. God, that teaches us how to live in response to you. Teach us how to live as followers of you, how to live as your church. And so God, I thank you for the book of Acts. I thank you for the early church who took the baton and carried it so faithfully. I thank you for the church of the last 2,000 years that has continued to pass that on from generation to generation so that we could receive your word and your truth here today. And God, I pray that we as Christ Community Church would run our leg of the race faithfully that we would carry that baton, that we would make your name known, that we would show the world who you are, that we would exist to make fully committed followers. So God, I pray that as we, your people, say yes, we are willing, that you would fill us with your spirit and you would do the work that we can't do on our own. God, I pray that you would give us favor to move in the hearts of those who are not interested and those who are exploring faith so that they would come to a saving faith in you. And I pray that as your church, that we would move from new believers to growing Christians to fully committed followers, multiplying your kingdom and seeing it continue to grow. So God, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing. We love you and praise things in your son's name. Amen.